The first word that comes to mind when thinking of Clark Hippolito is energy. I met Clark while running a clothing store in Raleigh, North Carolina around 2003-2004, and I just remember him as being one of the most positive energies I've ever come across up to that point in my life. He was always the guy who gave you the handshake followed by the bear hug, and simply walked with an air of confidence, yes, but more importantly, positivity and enthusiasm. As the owner of the art company, he's an artist both of projects small and huge, both literally and figuratively. He's done small pieces for friends. He's painted standard polyurethane surfboards to look like they were made from wood. He's done murals on the side of music venues, while at the same time hand-picked to do a mural inside the Carolina Hurricanes Arena when they first came into town. His road was paved, however, when a local restaurateur came calling, which was only piggybacked by a little show called Sex and the City. You can absolutely feel his energy when listening to him speak in this episode. His passion and ever-present drive to do what he loves is clear, and he's honestly one of only a handful of people I try to see when I go back home to North Carolina. We talk about cars, watches, architecture, music, wine, and of course art, and the ins and outs of how exactly Clark does what he does. We talk about the recession and how having the biggest house and owning too many things isn't really cracked up to what it's made out to be. He has an unabashed honesty to him. He's an active guy who talks with his hands, so the mic was on the move in this one, and his dog Phyllis even makes an appearance or two. But this one was a fun one for sure, so I think you'll enjoy it. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Mr. Clark. Hey, here I am in the house, in the building. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, sir. It's great always, to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always, so what's going on, man? What's, 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 what's going on with you? Well, you know, it's been a while since we've seen each other. Wanted to catch up, obviously, but, you know, with, uh, with the podcast, it's really just about entrepreneurship and those who, um, you know, those with drive, basically. Nice. So... Just jumping off, man, can you talk a little bit about like where you grew up and kind of what that was like? Well, so I grew up, okay, so it's funny. I was born in Connecticut, but I was raised in South Jersey. Um, not Jersey Shore, like not that kind of Jersey, but uh, South Jersey with Vineland. And uh, it was cool, you know, that rural town. It was really kind of like the sticks of Jersey, more farm than, um, I don't know, pollution, I guess, you know, so it was I don't know. I was a doctor's kid, and life was easy. I mean, yeah, life was good. Went to prep school and uh, surrounded by a lot of really good people, you know? What kind of doctor? Was uh, was it your dad? Dad, yep, anesthesiologist. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So he, was in, he did that. So, you know, it was nice. I had a great... My childhood was awesome. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. Like, Vineland, when I was there, it's all I really knew, Vineland, you know? Just, I, don't, I don't know what to compare it to, but anyway, it's just a very small rural town. Or, I'm sorry, a big rural town is what I should say. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, and then I moved to the city. You know, I went to school at Seton Hall, and then I was like kind of in the city and that whole vibe, and it was like a life changer. You know, it was, yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, going from like farmland to like city life. You know, it was uh, quite the jump off. You know. So you're into like cars and motorcycles and stuff these yep. days. Were you into that stuff growing up too? Oh yeah, yeah. Dirt bike. So I think I got my first dirt bike. I was in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I went to go visit my aunt in uh, Massachusetts, and it was winter. It was like snowing like crazy, and me, my dad, and my twin sister, and I were kind of driving around. My mom was with my other aunt, whatever, just hanging out, and we passed a Suzuki dealership, you know. And I said, "Oh, dad, dude, we gotta stop, man. Come on, look at these motorcycles." And my dad loved motorcycles anyway, but yeah. it's kind of forbidden, you know. Mom was like, "Hell no." But anyway, we got there and we saw this little JR50. It's like about you know, yay big, knee high. And my dad's like, oh, man, that thing's cool. I'm like, yeah, let's let's get it. And he's like, oh, your mom's going to kill us. I was like, fuck mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't say fuck mom, but I was like, fuck it. Whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. I put that thing in the trunk of the car and drove it home or drove it to my aunt's house. And my mom freaked the fuck out. Obviously, she's like, what the fuck? My Lord, what are you nuts? Boom. They're yelling. Or my mom's yelling at him, my dad. And then my dad's like, just don't worry about it, man. She'll get over it. <laughs> right. right. So I wrote it all so around. So Pops was cool. Mega cool, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then, uh, anyway, so we drove it back home from Massachusetts back to Jersey, and I was the coolest kid on the block. From that day. <laughs> I felt like I was. But, you know, I had like prior 12 or 13 bikes after that, you know, just one after, you know. <laughs> hey, dog. 
That's Phyllis. Doggy dog. Extraordinaire. Phyllis, Phyllis. Phyllis. Anyway, whatever. Motorcycles, yes, forever. Always liked it. My dad was in the cars. Always, you know. He was like, uh, he is a Lotus guy, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he was, he was like the, all the Lotus things. And then... Um, I got a Lotus uh, podcast coming out. Do you really? Pretty, pretty soon. Nice. With a with a guy that like basically hot rods. Oh, cool! Lotus. Hot rods, Lotuses. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Light car to hot rod, man. Yes. I mean, those cars weigh nothing. Power to weight ratio, baby. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. So what? Mom stayed at home. Did mom work? Mom was a nurse, but uh, she was a nurse, but yeah, she's basically stayed at home. I mean, she didn't really do much. Okay. She, she you know, when my dad passed away, she went back into nursing a little bit, but. You know, whatever. My mom right. Pretty good too. So now you have a sister, right? Twin sister. Twin sister. Down in the ATL. Oh, okay. Uh, she's a chiropractor. Yeah, she's awesome too. So sweet. She's uh, loving it down there. It's kind of funny because when I left, when I was like living up, you know, in the city and all that stuff, and I remember one after a couple of years, I was like, all right, this is cool and all, but I got to get the hell out of here. This <laughs> is too much fun. You know, it's hard to save money when you're having a good time. All the right. Time. Sure. So anyway, my sister's trying to get me to come down to Atlanta. After living in New York, I was like, eh, you know, Atlanta's cool, but man, come on now, dude. You know, I mean, right. it's not the same as New York. And anyway, I was passing through. Um, I stayed there for a little while, and I, I came home or was heading back up to Jersey, New York, and all that stuff, and stopped in Chapel Hill on Franklin Street. And that was when I got the bug for North Carolina, man. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, Carolina girls, what? Right, right. <laughs> and it was, you know, college town, partying all the time. Absolutely. I was 20. What year was that? 94. Yeah, so I think they won the championship in 93. Something like that, yeah. So, like, so, they yeah. were probably still vibing on that? Totally, dude. You know, and just, I just remember, you know, the whole idea of the South, I changed my whole vibe of what, or my impression of what the South was, you know. Because I, I don't know what I was thinking. I really don't know. I think in Mayberry or something like that, I always thought it was some kind of, like, right. dick shit or something yeah, like that. Yeah, some hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now, man, like, Raleigh um, and Chapel Hill, I mean, I was just like, wow, this is like a cool town there's some really intelligent people here um the weather's really nice cost of living's great there's beautiful women like you know new york women and Ca and carolina girls are totally different i think you know very different yeah so you got the whole style factor up top and you know that's super hot and it's it, in that way whatever but down here there's like the, all the um blonde hair blue eyes you know <laughs> carolina yeah. girls you know right and i was like holy shit man wow I'm, oh, this is <laughs> fucking awesome that's <laughs> okay. amazing so I was like, hey, man, I gave it a year. I was like, I'll just give it one year. Let's see how, it's, how it goes here. And if it's awesome, it's awesome. If it sucks, you go to Philly, go back to New York, go somewhere up top again. and Right, start over. Know, start over again. But yeah, I never left. That was but that was after school, right? Yeah. So what did you study at Seton Hall? So I went to school originally for business. And then, you know, I got a business and a design degree, mm -hmm. an art and design degree. So yeah, a little bit of both. Um, but Honestly, I think I studied more uh, uh, my networking skills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I played tennis in college. I, I, I was a, a T conceit hall. I was a fraternity frat boy, but not really. Um, and I, I played tennis. I was a frat boy, and I worked at MTV. That was my first internship, and I kind of stayed there. And, you know, it was just all social life, man. I didn't do shit. I, so I, this I, is late, <laughs> 80s, late 80s, early 90s MTV. Yeah. So that was like MTV. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah music shit. television. There was real music, not. Right. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, it's funny. When I first started working there, um, Real World Season 1 was. Uh, New York. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I was, I was around for that, which, you know, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. But, you know. Talk about the infancy of the end, the demise of regular music television. And the beginning of reality yes. TV. <laughs> exactly. Right. All started then. I didn't see it coming, though. You know, I didn't know. I was there. We were, just talk, we were talking about Beavis and Butthead earlier. Um, I was there for those days, MTV Sports. Yeah. Uh, UMTV Raps, you know, Unplugged. Um, Ed Lover. Minutes. Yeah, Ed Lover, what? You Ed know what I mean? Lover. You know, I, uh, the John Stewart show. That's right. I helped him do his first logo. You know, the very for, for his when he was working at MTV before he moved on to bigger pastures, whatever. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was a really good time. That's amazing. Loaders around. I mean, we, yeah, it's just a fun time. What kind of music were you into back then? Shit, Rage Against the Machine, Pearl Jam, like grunge, grunge, and also I liked uh, you know the Beastie Boys and like you know it was different, but mostly Primus. You know, like sure, liked heavy shit. You know. <laughs> so you were hanging out with Les Claypool last night Last night, man, holy wow, yeah, I love that guy That's insane, um, how'd that come up? Well, so, oh 
God, I don't Speaking know, of three, primus. four, five years ago, something like that. Um, I'm heavily involved in this thing called the Triangle Wine Experience, which is uh, a fund. It's a, a big organization that raises money for uh, these um, underdeveloped children, you know, uh, through the and it's the Frankie Lemon Foundation is who it's for. But anyway, it's a big wine event. Turns out I was doing a summer wine event here in town, and Les Claypool's wife, Cheney, uh, owns a winery. You know, she has her own wine label. So uh, she was there. We met. We all met and just hit it off instantly, you know. So that was when we first met. And then it seems like the last couple, every time he comes through town, we always catch up again. So, you know, this time he's with Sean Lennon, which is interesting. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, John Lennon's son, Sean. Sean, Who's wow. a musician in his own right. He is. And, you know, they play. So there's the Claypool, um, Claypool Lennon Delirium is the name of their new gig together. And um, it's awesome. I mean, they're badass, you know. He's a weird dude, though. I'm not gonna lie, Sean. <laughs> sorry, no offense. Where, <laughs> where do they play? Cat. Did they play last night? Yeah, Red Hat. A oh, Red Hat. So they played Red Hat with uh, Flaming Lips. Wow. Who are also out there and awesome. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then you ended up at Pratt at some point, right? Didn't you? No, go to no, Pratt? no, no, no. I didn't go. To, I wish. No, I have a bunch of friends that went to Pratt, but no, I, I tagged. I mean, I did a lot of art with a lot of my friends who were. Pratt students. Okay, kind of, got it. You know, all the, I don't know all why those, I thought you went to Pratt. Uh, all kind of run around. It seems like we're all kind of friendly somehow. I'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cut that shit out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then what were some of your, oh, you said you worked at MTV. Was uh-huh. that during college or after college? During college. So it was my internship and then kind of I stayed. I basically tried to stay there the entire time I was in college and then a little bit after. So then, then that I, was your first job, basically. That was out, my out first job. Uh, yeah. I mean, like really. Okay. So I worked at The Gap and Benetton when I was in high school. Right on. Maybe a couple AI and yeah, I mean that was basically it. And then uh and then yeah, MTV. And then that was really it. I started my own business here in Raleigh in ninety four, the art company. And yeah, that's it. I've never really had a a real boss per se. I mean nothing significant at least. So. Right, right. <laughs> so what were life. like the early days of, of art company then? So what were you working on? Like what were your oh, man. main dude, I mean, all right, so entrepreneurship. You know, in the beginning, you know, don't let anybody tell you it's easy because it's a lot of suffering. Uh, when I moved down here, I actually lived in a warehouse with my um, girlfriend at the time, fiance, wife, whatever, um, ex-wife. <laughs> anyway, right. But we had uh, it was cool. We 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 lived in a warehouse on Yonkers Road next to the dollhouse, which is hilarious. Lived in there <laughs> for nine months. You know, basically slept in the office. You know, makeshift. I thought I was going to turn it into some Soho loft and make it super dope and all this shit. Bull crap, man. That, that that didn't work out. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, you know, we couldn't afford it. I mean, I was selling artwork out of the back of my car, just hustling, doing anything I could to make money. Anything, you know? And uh, it was tough at first. But then this guy came in, this Italian guy comes in my warehouse, and he's like, hey, you make art. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, yep. He's like, he happened to be opening a restaurant, Casalinga, on Capitol Boulevard. And he's like, I want you to paint a mural. So I start. that was the first project I really ever did or commission I really ever did in North Carolina and then he after we did the mural the walls looked like shit around it and he's like what should we do with this I'm like gotta get rid of this wallpaper man this shit's tacky as hell so we did some fresco finishes and you know next thing you know 30 paintings later like we did I just kept on doing paintings for this guy because there's so many holes in the place and um that really kicked my career off and then like you know, it was a good, they had great food. So all these interior decorators and like realtors and builders would come in and have lunch and they'd be like, who the hell did all this work, man? This doesn't even seem like anything I've ever seen in Raleigh. That was 94. And uh, I was getting hired to do all kinds of crazy high-end homes, like painting murals on ceilings. Uh, right. With lots, that was a big part of it. It's like, you know, a lot, everyone wanted fucking angels and clouds. On their ceilings, really? You know? Well, you know, it's like, the, in the, I think in the 90s, um, like the faux finishing thing was really big and like everyone wanted this decadent, you know, everyone had tray ceilings with, you know, humongously high ceilings and they wanted to feel like you're in the Caesar's palace or some shit. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. But you know, it wasn't my style at first, but it, you know, I'm pretty adaptable. So I made it my style <laughs> and, um, that was where it kind of started. And then, um, I always had the film industry kind of, I was kind of always in and out of this whole world with like MTV and like whatever. So I had an art show in New York and, um, sex of the city. They were doing their first pilot season, I guess, whatever. And they came in and they wanted to use my art for their shit. You know, I was like, okay, cool. And that was, um, 
that was really enlightening. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, that's a whole different direction, you know, other than the painting murals on ceilings and doing faux finishes. Um, that was like, oh, cool, man. All right, I'm getting back into the film thing inadvertently. Um, while at the same time, Wilmington, uh, Wrightsville Beach, you know, I was always surfing at the beach. That was our closest beach to here. And um, it was like the film industry back then was booming. Oh, yeah, because Dawson's Creek. Yeah, and, One Tree Hill and yeah. all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, all these random movies were being filter- filmed there. And, yeah, I just kind of sped into that lane, too, you know? So it was like kind of doing all that stuff. Carolina Hurricanes came to town, um, and they set up shop here. And when they did, they contacted me about doing some artwork for um, for the Hurricanes and then some stuff for the arena. And, I don't know, man, it just snowballed, you know? Just, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so basically the moral of the story marketing-wise is word of mouth, it sounds like. For me, yeah, in my world, yeah, all word of mouth, definitely. Because a lot of it was high-end, too. You know, it wasn't like, you know, um, it wasn't really for everybody, but, you know, but wealthy people seem to talk to each other. Right. Yeah, sure. Well, similar, yeah, similar circles. Yeah. yeah, similar circles. And then, like, you know, in the commercial world, too, like, I was just doing lots of murals in nightclubs and restaurants and designing, stuff like that. And, you know, it seems like all those guys know each other, too. So, Do you remember what the, what you charged for that first restaurant? On capital? Not nearly enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> dude, I mean, I, I swear, it, dude, I don't think I made two pennies. I made, I think I charged twenty five hundred bucks for that mural, wow. which is like, you know, that mural should have been, I don't even know, fifteen, twenty grand. <laughs> it was, like, you know, a lot. It could have been a way, but I didn't know any better back then. You know, I was hungry. I was living in a freaking warehouse. You know, what I mean? yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, twenty five hundred dollars felt like a million dollars to me at that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, so like, how does that work these days with murals? Because like you've done a lot of profound stuff, like side of Lincoln Theater and places like that. Like over the years, is it like literally price per square foot, or like it how do you? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the that's the, how do you figure out your pricing? Kind of that's kind of the basis, you know. Like so, um, it it really every job is kind of like a one off type of thing. So it's really really a per per job thing. But right. as a rule of thumb, like. I, you know, I don't really start for, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't do anything, get out of bed for 25 bucks a square foot or, you know, I mean, that's a starter, like just a start. Usually it's about 50 or a hundred a square foot. Like I did, okay. I did one on the rooftop of Rex hospital, the new cardiovascular hospital. It was a hundred feet long and it was on perforated metal, metal. So it's like metal with holes in it and it was on the roof. So it was like, that sounds like a nightmare. It was windy as fuck. I mean, it's like, it's like trying to spray paint into a hairdryer, you know? Right. I mean, it was nuts, and that was a hundred bucks a square foot. So I mean, I you know I got paid on that one, which is nice. You know? Sure, Thank you guys. But um, you know that's you know the hospital. I've been doing lots of work for hospitals lately, which has been nice, and that has afforded me some nice things because you know I mean they have a lot of money. Well, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what I, does a project like that take time wise? Time wise, you know, honestly, painting the murals. I wouldn't say the easiest part, but it's definitely um, easier than actually getting the job. And going through the process of um, working back and forth with not just the designers and the contractors and architects, but like also with the hospital itself, the administration, you know, like right. their people, their marketing, you know, it's like getting everyone in the planet to agree on the same shit is very hard to do sometimes, you know. So that's the challenge. And I think like for, let's say Rex, um, that was probably eight or nine months in the making to get to the point where they could all agree on the same you know, rendering. Um, and then when I had to do it, then it took me a couple months to do. Right. Because by the time they agreed on it, it was like winter time. So it was like, you know. Now it's freezing. It's hard to paint. Yeah, you know, it's snowing and raining and all that crap and it's cold. So like, you know, not the most ideal time to paint, but I got it done. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's almost kind of like most businesses. Like the hardest part of owning a business is like the actual business part. Right. You know, it's finding your customer. You yeah. know, like that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. It's not the work. It's not the creativity. It's not the materials. Right, right, right. It's like getting the people that are going to How do I get you stuff. to buy this? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Right, exactly. Yeah. And getting the message out there. I mean, it, it is really tough. I mean, that is, it can be tough, you know, especially like, in the, like I said in the beginning, like when I really, before I finally got Costalinga, it was such a hard, it was really, really hard to just, you know, I mean, I was literally knocking on doors, you know, going business to business, like. I felt like a dirt bag. Like, you know, that wasn't really ever my scene, but like I learned really quickly that I came down the South and I didn't really know anybody here. So I didn't really have anyone to help me or guide me or say, Hey man, go call homeboy, blah, 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 or knock on this dude's door and whatever. 
I mean, it was literally cold calling. And you know, and if you're trying to start a business or and you're not willing to do those types of things, then you probably shouldn't be in business. You know, that's why you're going to be a worker bee. So it's it's a hustle. It's a hustle, man. It's a grind. But you know, but the payoffs are as amazing. You know, I mean, like you know, some people ask me like, how can you go through life without having a paycheck or not knowing where your next you know gig's going to be and this that and the other? I'm like, well, you know, after several years of doing it, you kind of get less worried about doing it because it just seems to happen and you got, you get more comfortable with the idea of that. But, you know, if you're a startup, man, I'll tell you, strap it on because it's, you know, it, it's going to be a little nerve-wracking in the beginning. Yeah, period. for sure. But, you know, once you get your feet wet and you get, get in it, then you'll find your groove. Yeah, yeah. You'll totally. know if you're made for this or not. <laughs> yeah, the weeding out process is, is, you know, second to none. Um, so with with kind of the the faux finishes that you do and ever have done in the past mm-hmm. are very, there's like a photorealism to what you do, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then now you're doing stuff like surfboards that are, even though they're polyurethane boards, you're making them look like real wood. Yeah. Things of that nature. Like where did that inspiration come from? Like the photorealism part? Well, um, you know, it's kind of crazy. When I, one of my first friends I met down here is this dude, Nick Turcott, cool dude. He's a woodworker, and he was like a fine woodworker. So he wasn't just like he was, you know, he was built some crazy, really exotic furniture with really exotic woods. And, you know, so he kind of schooled me on those things. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. you know, like figured walnut, figured maple, sepally, like all these crazy species of trees and like, you know, the characteristics and all that stuff. And I'd watch him work, and he'd teach me some things. And I remember one time I was on a surf trip in South Carolina, at Charles, in Charleston, Folly Beach. And I went out to look and see if there were some waves, just for the hell of it. And I, there were. It was like, you know, probably chest head high. And I was like, oh, my God, man, I got to go paddle. So long story short, I bought a used board. And, I mean, it had duct tape. It looked like total crap, man. So I brought it home, and I was like, man, I got to do something cool to this thing. It's like, man, you should make that look like wood. I was like, that's a fucking great idea, man. So, you know, I just, you know, I kind of, like, took cues from his marquetry and all that stuff and, like, all the different ways that he'd do his inlays. And I was like all right, you know, let's just try and do this. So I, I finished my first surfboard and I'd take it out in the water and everyone's like, holy shit, that thing looks badass, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, thanks, you know? So this is like 20 years ago. Something like that, 15, yeah, a while ago. And then I was, but I'd always get these, people would ask me to paint their boards or whatever. And then, um, you know, I was also really into Chris Crafts and wooden boats and oh, all yeah. that stuff. You know, I had one. And uh, so I kind of applied some of that, those, you know, um, you know, whatever looks and techniques to this the look of the of the boards but i also wanted the surfboards to have like that functionality and lightness you know because i i love wooden boards and you know but they're inherently a little bit heavier and they don't you know it's a different type of ride i guess um so you know i work with lots of other shapers and friends of mine that shape and they're like dude man if you could just keep it light you know (laughs) i'm like yeah i'm gonna keep this shit light you know and i but i make them look like these heavy ass wooden boards and people are just like, holy crap, man, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw one, I was completely tripped out by it. I was like, <laughs> Thanks, because man. I picked it up and I was like, <laughs> you ever picked up a glass that you thought was full of like <laughs> right, right, a right. liquid and, right, right. or like a mug or something? You end up like <laughs> lifting it like super fast above your shoulder. <laughs> right. That's what I did with your board. It was at your house like years ago. Yeah, and I was yeah, just yeah. like, holy smokes, what? what did you do to this thing? <laughs> like, what kind of wood is this? Balsam, man. It's balsam. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely yeah. crazy. So just based on approach, right? Like with your surfboards or a mural or a one-off painting that you're doing, like does your approach change creatively or, I mean, obviously techniques have to be a little different right. based on the surface you're using, but yeah. but like how's, how's the creative approach different? Well, I mean, you know, it, this is where I kind of like the clients and their requests are a major influence on that. So, you know, if someone's asking me for something that's more on the classical tip, you know, and they want a fresco or, like, some kind of freeze work, um, then I'm going to approach it from, like, a modern master's type of, you know, whatever. Think back to the Michelangelo days and all that stuff. And, like, I I try and see it from that eye, you know. Um, Polar opposite, though, like, you know, I do lots of also abstract stuff, you know, which is – it doesn't even make sense that I would go back and forth between the two, but I really like both of those styles a lot. And, you know, that is more like, uh, you know, drink a lot of wine, you know, whatever. Do whatever you have to do. Yeah. See an image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> whether yeah, it yeah, exists yeah. or yeah, not. Don't sleep for a couple of days and then, you know, just start making cool art that, you know, whatever happens, happens. So 
you know, that's more of a, a less um, technical type of thing. It's just more of like a feeling, right. you know. But I mean, honestly, it, at the end of the day, like for me, it, you know, it, I like to drink wine, <laughs> you know, and I also like to stay up late at night when there's no one around, you know. Like I don't mind painting in, in front of audiences, whatever. I do a lot of live painting, but like, like when it comes to really comes down to brass tacks, it's like, you know, I need to be kind of alone. I like to catch a little buzz, you know, and just kind of stare at things for a little while, and then you know, things kind of just happen. It's really weird, hard to explain. <laughs> but well, I mean, I feel like that that happens a lot with a lot of artists, like being influenced by different musicians. Yeah, I mean, oh, hundred percent. Any creative, you know. As far as like the business side of things early days versus nowadays how has the business side changed man okay so the internet has changed a lot of things you know social media um like getting leads you know not that i mean all my stuff's all word of mouth but like getting the message out like you know i used to have to have, carry around a portfolio yeah and show people you know or send them copies of my you know whatever like if i had a client far away you know i'd send them i put together a special portfolio based on the project whatever now it's like everything happens at a click of a button. Sure. You know, your reach is so much, it's, everything's so much easier to just reach people because obviously the internet, um, which is also good and bad because, you know, I feel like the internet has also kind of taken away lots of jobs and like made things just not exist anymore. Um, and so it's, it's just like the whole landscape of, of business is totally different. Like, you know, back then it was all shaking hands and, you know, whatever, flying out to see people and, you know, which is cool. I love that. You know, I love I a lot of parts, of, lots of that I miss, you know, but yeah, the but networking, the networking part. Yeah. And like, you know, going to trade shows and, you know, like whatever, getting like the, the human level to it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You know, but then again, you know, it's nice to be home. <laughs> the older I get, you know, I really like to be, it's nice to work from home. It's like, you know, nice to not have that as much pressure of scheduling, you know, or like, you know, scheduling trips out of town. So unless you're doing a mural, do you do most of your work here? I work a lot here, you know. I'm, so you don't have a studio? I have a studio in Five Points. Oh. Um, so, and that's where, you know, the printers and plotters are at over there. And we have big tables. But, you know, it's not super sexy, but, you know, whatever. It's a workspace, right? Right, sure. Um, but honestly, like when I'm doing a lot of my stuff, I do on my trusty uh, iPad, you know, nowadays. Like, like for concepts? Concepts, yeah. Like, you know, Photoshop renderings and all that stuff, you know. Um, whereas... Another thing, back in the day, like I didn't really use computers back then to do concept drawings and all that stuff. Like you know, it was always sketches and whatever, and you know, Photoshop and um, all my Adobe stuff. I mean, that helps quite a bit. You know. So your early days of concepting was it pen? Was it pencil? Was it pen pencil? You know, we do. I do. Yeah, I mean, ink drawings and paintings too. You know, like you know, I mean, I'd actually paint, paint. space. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like yeah. instead of like getting on Photoshop and like creating, you know, doing a, a concept rendering. I mean, I'd actually like paint it, draw it with pencil ink it and then you know paint on top of that basically like a painting <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because like an yeah, early man. early mural did you do it like small scale like on a canvas first and yeah, then, I started, then just blow it up it or? would evolve you know it started out as a sketch sometimes on a piece of paper or a napkin turned into you know on then the paper translate that into you know whatever is next you know sometimes presentation boards uh and yeah i mean but thank god i don't do that shit anymore right <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Passion Fine Jewelry, located in Solana Beach, California, uh, specializing primarily in independent watches, as well as fine jewelry, as the name would imply. Owners Tim and Jana Jackson have certainly created a home-like feel in their store, um, a very welcoming place, and they are chocked full of knowledge. So if you're ever in Southern California, do make it an effort to stop by. Otherwise, you can learn more at passionfinejewelry.com. And then Tim's blog is a wealth of information as well at independentendtime.com. This episode, like all the others, is also brought to you by Standard H. Uh, please help support the podcast by visiting standard-h.com, where you can pick up a hat, a t-shirt, a pair of shorts, heck, even a sticker. In addition to that, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at standardhpodcast at gmail.com. Up to this point, I've failed to mention that. So if you guys have any comments or questions, feel free to hit us up. I'll be the one answering. So uh, just let me know what I can do for you. Now back to the conversation with Clark. So I know with a lot of large format artists, they use things like projectors to project an image yeah. and then paint over it. Do you go about it that yeah. way? or So how do you no. do like a hundred foot wall? So 
a lot of the time, so I'll take my little my concept rendering, and then I'll basically stand back. This sounds crazy. I'm, I'm old school like this. Or, you literally just step back, I'll go step to back, it. I'll take a I'll take a thirty foot paint pole and put some chalk, like a sidewalk chalk, and tape it to the end. Stand back and just draw it. You know, like I'll look at my my initial drawing, and I've drawn it so many times at that point that I pretty much got it down. You know, and just scale it right from back. scale. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's crazy. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you know. I'll I'll do these. Um, I'll, I wouldn't say call it gritting it out because a lot of people will literally grit it out. Like I'll put little notch marks, you know, every like five feet or something like that, just for reference, um, to help. Um, there are times too when I use stencils. You know, like I was always against using stencils forever. I always thought that was like cheating and shit. But everyone on the planet does it now, and it makes business go so much faster. So you know, yeah. murals go way faster that way, and I've embraced the idea of doing that. So. Um, yeah, I do that sometimes too, but that's usually just for elements of the mural, you know? Now, so have any of your murals or artwork or anything, like, have you ever, I mean, I don't know if you compare yourself to anybody, like, the guys that are doing, like, street art, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't lump you in that category. Yeah, no. I... Have you been into Brooklyn? Oh, like yeah. Bushwick, yeah, yeah, Bushwick yeah. to minute, like yeah. to see all that stuff. Yeah, I, I was in in New York about a month ago or so, and my buddy gave me a whole tour of like the Bushwick Collective. Oh, cool! And it was just super cool. I yeah, mean, just yeah. really, really uh, differentiated in styles, yeah. but is all appreciated, right? So, is there any like classification or like you know? It's how do you, you classify your art? I, 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 to this day, I don't even know what to call. I, mean, I really need. <laughs> I wish I could define what my style is because I really don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, I even ask other people sometimes. I'm like, hey man, I mean, what, I don't even what do you call this? What, what do you call this shit? I don't know. Whatever. It's fucking cool art. <laughs> right. <laughs> but honestly, like you know, not that it needs a label. It doesn't necessarily. Like you know, it's funny. Like I would with the fresco stuff. You know, the classical art. like that stuff. Was like that was. It is what it is. You know, and that's cool. But I don't know. It's. Somewhere between pop, pop art meets, yeah. you know, I don't know, some photorealism meets... Cartoonish. Cartoonish, yeah. Yeah, like you've got so many elements <laughs> to, to your pieces. It, it's, I don't even know. Yeah, it's weird. I think I, I feel like I've taken a little bit from some of my influences and kind of, you know, just jumboed it up. <laughs> you know? who, who are some of your early day influences? Like, I, or even today? I mean, I love Maxwell Parrish. I like Andy Warhol a lot. Like Michelangelo, um, um, those are probably the tops right there. I mean, there's so many. There's know? some heavy hitters. Yeah, I mean, but I like Boyle Steen. I, I love, I like a lot of pop art, you know. But I, I, I honestly, I can't really tell you what I really like the most. It's just so hard to. Well, it's also different. Yeah, it's really. I, I like a lot of things. So that's cool. <laughs> so, what are you listening to music these days? Oh shit, man! I don't know. That's also very different. Yeah, I love Lettuce. I don't know if you heard of this band called Lettuce, but they're awesome. Um, I like Widespread Panic. I like Primus, of course. I still like all the old shit that I. Yeah, like Widespread actually. Panic and Primus are like completely different totally, vibes. Totally. But you know who I really liked a lot, like a lot, a lot is Anderson Pack, man. That, oh yeah, that dude's a fucking beast, man. Yeah. I love his shit. Um, you know, it's funny too where my studio is at over here. Ninth Wonder. I don't know if you know you're Ninth. He's a. I know a, a buddy of mine has produced with Ninth Wonder, and I've had another buddy who recorded with him. I think a couple times. Uh, I've never met him though. He does a lot of stuff with Anderson Pack and Kendrick Lamar and uh, J Cole, who's from yeah, there. yeah. J uh, Cole's a Raleigh guy. I mean, he's like you know Ninth Wonder. He's Patrick. He's a uh, he's like a scholar. You know, he's like kind of like a hip hop scholar. You know, he teaches lectures at um, like. Harvard and like you know Columbia and like no Duke, kidding you know like he's a fucking badass right so not only is he like a hip hop producer but he's also like this mentor you know and he's like one of those type of people but um, he is he's always produced stuff with this uh, this girl named Rhapsody mm-hmm. Rhapsody I have she is just coming out of gate she just got signed with Rock Nation with uh, you know Jay Z Jay Z and um, they're on the other side of the wall of my where I my, where my studio is over here. So oh no I kidding, they're making beats all the time, man. Really, you know? and like you know, you know, I don't want, I never want to interrupt them, but every now and then, you know, they'll be outside talking, you know, and we'll chit chat and all this stuff. But um, hearing them make beats on the other side of the wall quite often is also kind of like holy shit, I can't. You know, cause when they're doing it, I don't even know who the hell they're working with. You know, it's just like they're, they're it's just, I hear 
drum bass, you know, the tracks and all that stuff, and somebody's freestyling over top of that. And but I never really know who it is until like months later when the shit goes out. I'm like, holy crap, that was fucking Kendrick Lamar or like you know or J Cole or whoever. I'm like, so that's kind of cool too. I'm I'm into that stuff as well. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not in a soundproof room though. <laughs> well, they are, but you know. But well, they're they're in a they have isolation booths, I guess, over there. But we can still hear that shit on the side. Yeah, like yeah. So like I'm, they don't hear us, but we hear them. Right. It's it's really bizarre. Yeah, you have to come over and hear that sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally into that. It's funny. It's like you know they you know, the boom and bass. Like when they're digging down low, some crazy bass. Like you know, shits rattling on our walls. Like <laughs> yeah. all the artwork on the walls. Like you know, right. Really funny. So. so these days with the business that it is, you know, and, and outreach being mostly social media and, you know, electronic for that matter, like what are some of the hardest parts nowadays hmm. for you? Hardest parts nowadays. Honestly, man, it's like trying to get my schedules tight. You know, I have a lot of work, you know, going on kind of at the same time, almost all the time and juggling. Cause a lot of it's like new construction or like a renovation or someone bought a restaurant and they want to turn it into another restaurant. And you know, I'm kind of at the mercy of my contractors or whoever's in front of me. So like if I have to paint a mural, I got to wait for so-and-so to get done, you know, with the drywall rock, <laughs> or right? whatever, yeah. Final, whatever, you know? So, and everybody wants their shit yesterday, you know? So it's like, everyone's like, and there's, everyone's in line basically. But if I'm on one project, and let's say something happens or where I need to go to another project that's same week. If somebody fucks up over here, then it fucks up my whole entire schedule, you know? Right. So, you know, that would probably be the hardest thing is just juggling schedules, you know? I know, like, with a wholesale business in apparel, at least, like, it's such a pain in the butt being a bill collector. That Does that ever enter the picture for you or are you like yo i need this money up front or yeah like- well you know okay for me like so generally speaking it's like i take I, in my contracts half up front right and the rest when it's done plus sure. materials and whatever um i've been very fortunate for the most part you know my clients are all you know no one really fucks me over not there have been plenty there have been a few that have tried but you know for the most part or they'll drag me out you know and because their money's tight but you know we always work it out um so it's probably less of a problem for me than it would be, you know, for some other people. Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and then, but sometimes when you have these long-term projects, you know, where you're designing, like, let's say, doing work on a hotel or something big, big, and it's ongoing, you know, then it's like, you know, I just, it's billable hours. Yeah. You know, and then the hardest part about that is really doing the administrative shit, which I fucking hate doing. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. The you bookkeeping know? and all that. Yeah, and all that. I can't I, stand and, it either, man. Yeah. There's, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've had other people do it, you know, and then I've tried to do it myself. And, and honestly, whoever is doing it doesn't really matter. It's still a pain in the ass. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right, Phyllis? It's all good. Um, so then I guess I would ask you what what's the easiest part, but I'm sure that's just the work. Uh, the easiest part is um, the networking part. Oh, yeah. For me, I mean, you know. I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm really good. You know, it's like, that's the fun part. Like meeting people and like, you know, a lot of it, ha- you know, I own a wine shop too and I'm really into wine and all that good stuff and I'm a foodie. What's so, the name of your wine shop? Uh, wine on Main. It's in wine on Main. Wine on Main. Yeah. Oh, in Clayton. In Clayton, yeah. So that's about 20 minutes, 20 minutes from here, southeast yeah. from here. Sure is. So, you know, the whole... Um, having great meals and you know drinking great wine and you know meeting clients in that environment you know it's like one of my favorite things on the planet <laughs> so absolutely that's the fun part yeah fun and easy part well i was just about to say like you've been so you've been a partner in several retail ventures yeah how have those like kind of come in and out of the picture well okay so just through networking i'm assuming or random friends you know yeah. like uh you know devolve that kind of came through a a dude, I, a friend of mine that I met in Wilmington, and he just had this great idea for a shop. And, you know, I was like, hey, man, write a business plan. You know, I mean, yeah, if you, sure. if you really want to make it happen, dude, just fucking do it, you know, whatever. And he really didn't know what to do. He didn't, you know, that's not really what he knew anything about. He just was dreaming about this awesome business with motorcycles and clothing. And so I kind of 
got to motivate us to hey write that business plan you know why don't you go talk to the chamber of commerce and there's all kinds of free help out there that you can get you know and so he did and he wrote a business plan i said and i kind of made this like half-hearted promise hey man if hey man if you write a good enough business plan i'll help you find the money man you know i've got some you know pretty wealthy clients and i run in these circles you know venture capitalist money's out there and he did it and i introduced i was actually hanging a surfboard up for a buddy of mine who has a, a, a marketing ad agency downtown here and he was asking me what else i've been working on and i was like well dude interestingly enough man my buddy wants to start this company blah blah, blah motorcycle thing and he's like, holy shit, my, my dad used to race vintage motorcycles, you know, back in the, that was a fucking garage rat or a motor, you know, whatever, wrench head or whatever. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And he's like, well, and he's like, I'd love to take a look at it. So I put them on, we, we all got in the same room and there's that, you know, then we opened up Devolve, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, furniture, I so I had a furniture store at Porto in North Hills and that was because I was doing all these you know, I was helping, I was doing a lot of interior design and painting murals for all these wealthy clients back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, we were doing a lot of work for the store called Domicile. And I mean, they were just. That was in Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill. Yeah. yeah. Then they, they did five stores in five years. And, I, you know, I did help design all the stores, did all the mural work. And, you know, it became, that was like a major big client for me. And they would also feed me work in their markets, wherever there was a store. There was a, a bunch of leads for Clark, you know, so it was awesome. But, you know, I guess they probably overextended, I guess, and they went out of business. And here we are with a bunch of clients looking for awesome shit. And this is when North Hills was getting like renovated. first opened, yeah. First opened, Or yeah. reopened. They, they turned into indoor-outdoor instead of mall. They kind of turned into what it is now. And um, they approached us and they said, hey, man, you guys want to open a store here? Or like another domicile. And we're like... No more domicile. <laughs> but they're like, well, you know, and they offered us money and they gave us outfit money and all this shit. So we were like, hell yeah, let's just do this. So right. a couple of the people that were working at domicile, two other partners and myself, we went in and did this thing. And that was like just a, I don't even know where that came from. It just came out of nowhere. But, wow. you know, um, so we did that for a while. Um, and, you know. Then the economy took a shit. <laughs> right, know? yeah, because that was early 2000s. Yeah, so 08, 09, whatever, 10, something like that. You know, that was the end of the furniture business. You know, when when, when the whole real estate market went to shit, you know, obviously. When there's nowhere to put the furniture. Yeah, there's nowhere to put the furniture. There's really no one buying the furniture, so. Right, that makes but, sense. But, you know, business come and go. But the art thing for me has always been the constant forever, you know. And I've been very fortunate, you know. I mean, I've been really fortunate that. The people that are in my life, you know, my clients, they also seem to like the same shit. Like they like great food. They like to drink great wine. A lot of them like cars and motorcycles, you know, or they, um, and my beach friends, they all surf. And, you know, yeah. a lot of my surfer buddies are successful. So like, you know, <laughs> so. So how long have you owned uh, Wine on Main? Uh, just five years now. Now, do you, do you have partners years? in that? Yeah. How many yeah, partners? Example, just one partner. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, she, she basically, she runs the whole show over there, you know, like. I helped her start the play. You know, we started together, and um, you know, once things got up and running, you know, that was more always more her baby than mine per se. But you know, whatever, it's great. You know, it's kind of it's nice because you know I have to. I'm, I'm so busy with what I do, and she is just really good with that. You know, running that business, uh, she's a, a really good face for that business, and um, it's just we have a really good relationship in that regard. So. And I like to drink, so. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, so what, um, is there anything that you particularly specialize in over there? Is it is it U.S. wines, like, you know, Napa wine, Sonoma? No, are you I mean, all we, over the map? Or? I mean, we do a little bit of everything, yeah. We're all over the place, so. What are your favorite, like, what are your favorite wines? Oh, man, I, I like all my, ca I still like my California cabs, all my homies out there, you know. I like that big stuff, but. Sure. You know, um. So then, are you into French? Or are you into Italian, like a Barolo or anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I, I like I like both of those. But yeah. I'll tell you, man, some of my favorite wines are still from Napa. Napa like, sounds crazy. Yeah. What's your yeah. go-to? Do you have one? Uh, if you were to my, go in your store right now and pick out a cab, what would you reach for? Ooh, wow, that's a toughie. I'd probably reach for some Reynolds. I, uh, you know, I, I like my buddy Steve Reynolds is a badass winemaker. Um, my other buddy, Pax Maley, he's also a badass winemaker. 
He's got some cool stuff too. But like, I think those are my two go-tos. Everything that they make is good across the board. Um, now, have you done any art for these guys too out yes. in Napa? Yeah. At the yeah. wineries, like full finishes so on, or on, no? I've done paintings for uh, I've done paintings for these guys, and then like actually, I'm, these barrels right here, they're getting ready to go out to um, Hillsburg, I think. Where are they going? They're going somewhere out there. So these are little miniature barrels that have uh, basically an ink drawing on them. Yeah, well, those are the beginnings. Yeah, those are. So then those will become paintings. Yeah, I'm gonna. Those, so that's me just like kind of drawing them out first, but sure. And the funny thing is, those are actually bourbon barrels. Oh, right. Yeah, but, you know, wine is very similar. Sure. Um, but, I'll, yeah, I mean. I'll take a photo of these and post it on social. Yeah, cool. yeah. We'll you know, and, again, like, this is kind of funny. Like, so, ironically, I'm, this is my 25th year, this, like, right now. So, this is kind of like a series that's kind of kind of going through all the stages. Of, so, that's why the 25? Yep, that's the, that. So, that's that. That's kind of like the signature piece that I think it's going to be. And then you've got, you know, like. This one over here, like this one with the fire, like these are like that's a pop art. It's gonna be a pop artish, you know. Let's see. That's it's like the, the Spitfire bearing company. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, ish, right? And then across the skies, the one that's next to that, that was a whole other phase. I did a series of those, like in the, jeez, late nineties. Um, that one that's kind of has like this koi fishy looking whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say kind of. That's like kind of that's like the surfboard, you know. Like I remember that series that I did with the surfboards like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to keep going. So it's like, basically I'm trying to tap all the phases of my artistic career. Like, uh, it's got, there's going to be a bunch of these barrels. But, That's um, awesome. <laughs> Are you doing 25 of them? I don't think I'm going to do 25. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, I think the, the short term goal was 10, but 25 sounds right. But I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. Numbered one through twenty five. One through twenty five. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll do that for, I'll do that for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I just doubled your workload. Yes, you did. Thanks. Maybe. Thanks, Ish. Um, that's hilarious. So you mentioned the recession. Mm-hmm. What role did that play? Obviously, on the furniture business, but what about your art business? It was tough all across the board, man. I mean, because like, you know, what, my world is all high, mostly high end, like almost all of it. Yeah, know, exactly. Like, and. Um, you know, I mean, when the recession hit, it's like a lot of those, you know, millionaire one day, fucking bankrupt guys the next day, and they're it's everywhere. I mean, I saw some of my, a lot of my successful friends go down in a blaze of glory, you know, you know, it's tough. So, yeah, it sucked. I mean, you know, being an artist, I mean, you know, being an artist is tough anyway. You know, it's, it's tough. I don't give a shit what you say. It's, it's not easy to be an artist and really, you know, make a living doing it. But when you have uh, your few wealthy clients, you know, going broke, then it gets really sad, you know. So it was tough, man. I just, you know, I had to dump a few things. You know, I had some property I had to get rid of and all my toys, you know. I sold, you know, some cars and motorcycles and shit. I had some, you know, I had a Warhol. I had some really expensive artwork that had to go. I was like, I mean, heartbreaking. But Wow. Fuck it, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> doesn't doesn't mean you can't get another one. Yeah, I, you know, I still have, you know. Got Dolly in there. I mean, I still got some. I still have some nice art. Don't get me wrong, but sure. there's some pieces that I had to get rid of just to really just you know stay afloat and well, whatever you know. Right. And here we are. Where we, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it did teach me. It taught taught me how to learn live um, lean. You know, I mean, like you know, cut the fat. You know, get rid of all the shit you don't need. You know, you don't need the biggest fucking house. You don't need the you know the most expensive everything. It's, it's not really worth it. You know, so. Um, I've always been a buy less, buy better fan. Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I always was too, but I always would buy more and buy better. <laughs> you know, it's, but that's not fucking cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's just stuff, you know. And I never, you know, for me, I always really thought that having more stuff was always so awesome. But, you know, once I went through all that and learned how to live without, and then you, know, you really figure out the things that you really need and, like, what things you actually use, you know. Right. And, um is liberating. Oh, absolutely. You know, it really is. It so. can be a weight off. Like, that's what I love about moving. As much as most people <laughs> hate to move, right. I'm, I'm gearing up for a move here shortly. Right, okay. And uh, not far, but a move no less. And it's like, I'm going through my closet the other day, and I'm like, I usually subscribe to this 12-month rule uh-huh, that if I haven't worn went. something in 12 months, because <laughs> usually weather-wise, if no other reason – Everything has presented itself in the last year. True that. If yep. I haven't worn it, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's it's liberating. And all, you know, it's funny because you're you've always been Mr. Fashion guy. Right. You know, you've always so like you know, 
Yes. Yeah, you're very conscious of the whole, you know, and, and, and trends and things that go with fashion. Sure. Um, so I could totally see that in you. <laughs> I could see that you'd be the type of guy that would be the perfect candidate for um, getting rid of, knowing when to get rid of stuff. Yeah. I'm, on the other hand, and Brittany, my you know, fiancé, we're both kind of pack rats. Hate to say it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say hoarders, but borderline hoarders almost, but not really. But we, do, we both go in these phases too where we're like, okay, man, got to dump some of the fat, man. This is right. bullshit, man. Come on now. You know, there's no room in here. Yeah. So, you know, um, we do find ourselves, you know, probably once every year and a half kind of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, you know, the funny thing is so you're, you just got married. Yes. By the way. Thank you, sir. Um, so did you guys live together before? We did. You did? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. I was, I was kind of curious, like, how's... You know, combining uh, both wardrobes, both sets of furniture and stuff. Oh, oh, that's a very easy answer, and I'll tell you exactly how that works. What's up with that, man? Uh, I'm into nice stuff, and she's not. So, really, really. (laughs) So, so, so we kept a lot of my stuff and some of her stuff where I was lacking in certain Uh items, uh and otherwise, she just doesn't care, and it's amazing. That's kind of like Britney. Yeah, I married the right woman for good sure. For you. Look at yeah, you. Pound. Boom. Uh, yeah, man. It's uh, it's been good. And then as far as the clothing and such, however, it's two different rooms. She gets one room's closet. I gotta go to another room. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get the master closet, but it's all good. No I worries. mean, what else? You know. But like you just said, you learn to pare down your shit. You know, and like get rid of stuff and twelve month rule. And yeah, you know, I know. Like Britney, holy crap! Like my guest room. It's not. It's a guest closet now. It's her closet. <laughs> I would. Lo- I would love to take a bedroom and just devote it to like, what is it like, um, California closets yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it right, is right, 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 right. Just one day, maybe they'll sponsor this. And uh, hook you hear? Me up you with heard? Some, hey, California closets. Hook me up with back. some hangers or something. <laughs> shelf, uh, a shelf or two. So what? Uh, so what are the things that sort of continue to inspire you today? Music. Yeah. Uh, good music really inspires me a lot. Um, meeting those musicians, like, you know, I, we go to lots of festivals and, you know, I've been painting lots of guitars for these artists and different instruments for different rock stars. And when I meet, you know, another creative person, uh, especially, you know, successful musicians, I don't know what it is, man, but there's some kind of vibe there. And I always come back with, after listening to their music and then meeting them and putting like, you know, a story to a song or whatever, it kind of inspires a visual in my mind sometimes, and that just takes me to a different place. Like, you know, I feel like... Um, the other thing, too, is whenever I feel like I'm not that uh, inspired, I'll go to the Museum of Art. Right. You know, NC Museum of Art, we have a great great museum here. We've got a, the cam, and, and um, there's some really cool galleries around here. Um, or I'll go to D.C. or New York, or, you know, I'll go to Hirshhorn. It's not too far away. You know, but, like, sure. that's... You know, I oh, and it's like funny. I see the same shit most of the time, you know. But like, I just get like that that click. Like, oh wow, okay, duh, Clark. All right, open up your eyes. You know, I mean, <laughs> remember? Well, that's also kind of like when you watch a movie over and over and over, mm-hmm. you start to notice different things. So yeah. even though you might be repeat, you know, yeah, visits to the right. same art, even or the same building, like it'll solicit a different feeling. Right. Well, there's yeah, there's subtleties that maybe you didn't see the first twelve times. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, and, uh, you know, or you see it in a different, you know, in a different season, you know, and like the mood is different, you know, or may, and even like the, <laughs> like if you're in a gallery and sometimes the light is even different, you know, like then you'll yeah. see, for me, I see different strokes or different techniques that I didn't really notice the first billion times, you know, whatever. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's always cool, you know. So you mentioned the barrels, obviously, as being somewhat of a, a anniversary type of project. Yeah. What other pieces can you talk about, like that maybe up and coming or... Well, maybe uh, on display for the public. I mean, or? I've it's a lot of it's all commission stuff. So you know, lots of I mean, I've got a ton of restaurant stuff. I've got uh, some actually. You know, what's really a, a fun one right now is uh, a buddy of mine bought a church <laughs> on St. Mary Street, and uh, we're gonna turn that into his house, and it's gonna be badass. Like that's a really cool project for me because there's a lot of things I can kind of play with on that. You know, the whole idea of a church, and like you know, then you're getting into the fresco stuff, but then. He's ultra contemporary. So like kind of taking this very, very, you know, traditional church, you know, it's all stone and old school looking. And then we're going to, we're working with the uh, architects and contractors to make it really modern on the inside. But then That's have, incredible. Like, these little nods to, um, you know, 
to the whole, you know, traditional, you know, classical art stuff. So that to me, that's a fun one. That's a really cool one. Um, Are you doing that with a local architect or is it somebody well, yeah, outside so, of the area? Or? Well, so, yes, we started, well, it's kind of funny we say that because we started out with one architect. We're kind of, we're kind of vacillating between, <laughs> like we, we picked out, well, we started out with one architect and. You know, I don't want to say anything. So just because, sure. No, you know, that's fine. I wouldn't call it the uh, the most exciting. You know, we weren't super crazy impressed. So basically, you know, we're kind of we're juggling between a couple of kind others. of vetting yeah, out a yeah, couple others. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there's hey, dude, that that, that happens yeah. though. Yeah, you know, how it goes. That's I mean, reality. Yeah, it really is. But the funny thing is, uh, he he bought this church off of a another guy who was who was the art who he is an architect, and he bought this church. And he was going to do the same thing, but he could just never get it. He could never afford to do it. Like, you know, like what he wanted to do was way grand. And I don't think he had the stomach or the, the finances to make that really see it through. So it was still remained more churchish than houseish, I guess. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is going to be a whole different place. You know? I can't wait to see that. So that's cool. And then um, we're looking at this. There's a project in Costa Rica. Um, a buddy of mine is... Um, He's a developer, and he wants to do a beach club. He owns this really gigantic um, eco park out there, um, but and he's got fuck, I mean, eight hundred fifty acres or something like that. So there's on the beach. Yeah, yeah, and there's like it's it's a you know so it's like on a cove, so you know you've got all the zip lines in the mountains which come right down to the water, you know, and then you've got a couple hotels and you know there's this really cool little kind of village city whatever you want to call it, you know, there, but. There's really no beach club, you know. Does it get surf? So it's right right by Witch's Rock. So it's on, oh my gosh. It's on the, so that's Witch's Rock is over here, and Cocoa Beach is on the other side of this cove. Like so, basically, like it's you know twenty minute, you know what it take twenty minutes to get to a good break, but where we're, where this resort is, it's really protected. You know, so it's more of like chill, you know, chill spot. So a beach club. Yeah. So, <laughs> thus the beach as club. as yes. opposed to a surf hotel. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's cool. Twenty minutes, super close. Yeah, yeah, it's close as shit. So, yeah. um, that's a cool one. So you know, that's awesome. You know, I mean, right now we're still kind of doing inking the deal and getting the raising the funds to do it. You know, they, they're, but now are you a partner in that, a, or are you? Well, so just I, kind of artistic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm the designer, and they're giving me points on this thing. You know, so I'll nice. have, Yeah, I mean, I'll get some equity in it, but you know, I mean, a couple points. I'm not like I'm not a majority owner by any means, but you know, but hey, whatever, you know. To say I have a little piece of that would be freaking awesome. So right now we're just kind of structuring the deal, you know, and uh, knock on wood, everything goes good. But that's really cool. That's another cool Yeah, one. that's sick. Um, other than that, I've got some hospital stuff, more hospital stuff. I've got, you know, some restaurant stuff, same old, you know. But uh, the church thing is, that one's kind of like, damn. <laughs> I mean, like. So have you broken, gr well, you haven't because you're still vetting the, the things. So. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, he bought the, you know, the building's his, right? And. I've been working with him on his office. Like he has another, he also has a, uh, a marketing branding company, whatever. And he's got a really cool office in North Raleigh, and we're working on that too right now. So that's, he's he's. I'm funny. I'm like, where do you want me to focus my energies? Like, on the business first, because that's gonna pay for the church. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. so like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he does well. It doesn't really matter. But sure. Um, um, I love working with this guy though, because he's got really contemporary style. Um, he's really open and. He's just a cool dude, you know. He's also into the finer things, you know. I mean, he's a, you know, you're a car guy. He's got a Ferrari. He's got Porsche. He's got a ton of really nice cars, and he's a watch guy too. I know you're a watch guy. This dude's got like crazy watch collection, man. Like, you, you'd have to meet this guy. He's he's something else, yeah. Oh yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah, let's meet at your wine shop. Yeah, we really should, man. Yeah, I'm that's telling awesome. You. So, so you're you're a car guy. You're a watch guy. Yeah, what are yeah. you driving these days? Uh, Porsche Cayenne Turbo. Nice. I love that thing, man. There's some giddy up. Yeah, man. So, and, you know, I mean. You know. And there's a motorcycle outside, I noticed. I got a Triumph. Yep. Uh, it's a Bonnie, Bonneville, but I scrambled it out, you know. I've got a, also have a, uh, a CL350 Honda, like an old brat, and then a, a CB450. So, nice. And, uh, you know, I've had dirt bikes have kind of come and gone, like in and out of my life all as a constant. Right now, I'm dirt bike free. 
but <laughs> for now. That's also one of those toys, too, as you get older, it's kind of like, well, maybe I'll just stay on the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not jumping anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Unless I you're used, into, like, trail riding I, or that's something. What, that's what I was going to say. That's what that's the scramble part of it. But like, um, Or, like, kind of the enduro stuff. Yes. I, I always liked... I mean, I was I liked YZ80s, 125. You know, like, I liked dirt. I, when I was young, I used to jump and do all kinds of crazy shit, you know. But it's, I don't recover as fast. But, you know, honestly... Crashing on the dirt or like on a train, you know, is a lot more forgiving than on the street. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So pick your yeah. pain, I guess. You're um, not gonna potentially get hit by a car after falling on the dirt. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Um, and you got what Brightling on the wrist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, the to, old, yes, today's the Brightling. Today, yeah. What else are you into other than Brightling? I mean, you know, I've got like three Rolexes. I like the. I got. A, I got Brightlings. I've got a. Um, uh, you know, though I wear every day is I have this Burberry watch. It's my everyday watch that I usually wear all the time to paint in and all that stuff. It's my favorite watch still to this day. I think. What do you like about it? It's reliable. Like you know, like these, you know, you shake them and all that stuff. Like I don't, I feel like they're always off a little bit. You're not, you know, unless you wear them all the time and you put them on your little shaker thingy. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, actually, you know, what else too. It's funny. I I wear an old Nixon too, yeah. my surf watch, and that's like. It's like the bulletproof tried and true, man. I don't know. I mean, you know, not quite as sexy as the, you know, expensive shit, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know? it's a surf watch. Yeah, man. It's a surf watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, dude. I got, you know, I got some, I'll show you later, but I mean, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's you fun. Know? I was, I was, you know, I used to be more about the watches. Now I'm, I think as old as I get older, I'm more practical, you know, ish. Right. Ish. We use actually, that term loosely. Yeah, loosely. Well, actually, okay. So to, Case in point, so you know, always been in the cars. I, you know, I've always liked nice cars, but I bought a Sprinter van. I bought a used ass Sprinter van yes. outside, and it's a beater, man. I mean, podcast world. If you see this thing when I got it, it was like a fucking painter's van. It was a painter's <laughs> van, dude. I mean, it looked like shit, man. But you know, two hundred something thousand miles on it. Two hundred thousand miles. Two thousand two thousand six. Is it a diesel? Turbo diesel. It's got giddy up. It's and it gets twenty six miles per gallon for a fucking van like that big. Is kind of crazy to me, but. You know, I did my little homework, and they're like, dude, you know, this thing, you can get 500, 600,000 miles out of this thing. I mean, they're like fleet vehicles, you know. They're meant to drive and beat the shit out, so whatevs. But bought it cheap, and, you know, I was gutting out the kitchen at the wine shop, so I took the cabinets, put them inside. Oh, awesome. You know, I mean, it's like my little freaking, like, it's, and we go to lots of festivals, so it's our festi van, you know, so like. Oh, so you sleep in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like oh, that's I put, amazing. I, you know, I converted it so it's it's like you can live in this thing. I mean, you know, it's got, I'll have to have you it's got it a to sink me. and running water. It's got a stove and an oven. And uh, I even got like a little van can, you know, a little portable shitter, you know. <laughs> a van can. And we call it a van can. That's what we call it. We got, uh, you know, it's got a portable shower. I mean, like. That's you know, awesome. It's, it's. You know, it's it's good. It's functional. It's fun. You know, yeah. it's I, I murdered it out and and wood grain the sides. I mean, you know, just because the paint was so shitty on it. I mean, I rattle can the whole thing basically. I mean, really? I rattle. I mean, just I, spray paint. Well, I was, it was funny because I was there's a, uh, a rusty spot on there and I was just sanding and priming it, whatever. And I was like, oh, that primer gray looks dope. I was like, so I did this one quarter panel. It's like, oh shit, let's do the whole thing. Yeah, so this I, is I mean, happening. <laughs> I had a bunch of I had like you know cases of fucking you know gray primer. I was like, fuck it, man. Just went to town, dude, and didn't stop until the whole thing was gray. And I was like, that looks cool. Yeah, that's awesome. This would look cool if it was flat black, though. So I went back. I went back and did the whole thing, you know, did the whole thing all over again in, in flat black. And then I was like, well, you know, there's that wood grain thing. So <laughs> I tried wood grain the sides. You know, I still haven't finished, but I mean, you know, whatever. You can't tell. I don't give a shit, you know. It'll be a perpetual work in, work in motion you know, forever, I feel like. But, that's sick. you know. It is really the polar opposite from the nice cars, you know? Right, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's always nice to have that. It's like a beater watch. It's you know, it's like, watch. I right. want something I can wear, but literally don't care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If like, anything I'll, happens to I it. I hit trees, like, you know, like, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't even <laughs> give a shit. You know, I'll be like, <laughs> you know, like when you're driving, like, through the woods or, all, you know, and like, branches. Going camp, branches, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're like, oh my God, this thing is getting fucked up. Well, not in this thing. Like, I don't give two shits about does that. does not I matter. I mean, it does not matter at all. That's amazing. That's <laughs> sick. Well, listen, man, is there anything else you wanted to promote or talk about? Man, no, not really, man. It's just, you know, just uh, keep a watchful eye for what I'm doing, man. I, you know, if you're on Instagram, Clark Hippolyto, just look me up that way. Or uh, Yeah, I'll link it, obviously. You go to the website. Yeah, yeah, so artco.studio. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, man, just uh, keep on watching, dude. I'll be moving and grooving as always, so. That's rad. 
Thanks for having me. Clark, thanks so much, dude. You're the man. All right, talk to you soon. <laughs> See you, buddy. I want to thank Clark once again for having me over at the house. Um, seeing all your work and your creative space was just unbelievably cool. Um, really enjoyed the conversation, my man. Always great to see you. Uh, those of you who have been listening, thank you so much. Obviously, we can't do it without you. Uh, the episode's also brought to you by Clear Audio, C-L-E-E-R audio.com. And for the music, thank you so much to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful. Again, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Thanks.